0: a good morning to Heather Humphreys tells her department officials to re-engage with the government departments on commitments made to the island. When is this ever going to come to a conclusion? There's a new councillor in town. We speak with him today. Marguerite McCartan, a native of East Galway, joins us today. She's got a lovely new book out. It's beautifully done. And she joins us just before the 10 o'clock news. We're going to farming today on the programme. President Biden looks as if he's coming to Ireland. Will he be coming to Galway? We've got that and more between now and 12 midday on the programme. It's a Friday morning. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so. 086 38 33 553 3 with thanks to Rationale Windows. We're with you until midday. Good morning. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. A long-awaited government plan for island communities has been sent back to the drawing board after the minister in charge told officials to revisit the document and firm up its proposals. I mean, this is going on. I would say, since 2018-19. And it's going on and on and on. And again, the islands, they're off the west coast of Ireland, the majority of them, and they are being left uh, in this position. I want to go to former minister for the islands, indeed, and uh, go, go to TD, Eamon O'Keefe, who joins me on the line. Deputy O'Keefe, good morning to you.
1: Good morning to you, Keith.
0: Now, you didn't forget the islands when you were a minister. I'll give you full credit for that. Neither did Sean Kine, but something has happened here And they really are being left on the long finger.
1: Uh, Absolutely. No, since 2011, very, very little has happened on the islands. And in fact, there's been a lot of regression in relation to policy. Uh, There was a clear policy uh, in the noughties that if there was an infrastructure deficit on the island, and if it couldn't be reasonably expected that the main agencies that would be responsible would do the work that was necessary without support from the Islands Fund. The island funds clipped in with the necessary finance. And, for example, I give you, uh, uh, there were a few islands that didn't have electricity. Uh, the job of the ESB, of course, is to provide electricity. Mm. But we provided the money for the underwater ducting but they had to do all the transmission work on the islands themselves that we put the electricity into. Uh, we were taking the same policy, for example, with a health centre. We provided 50% of the finance and that got over the cost-benefit analysis that um, agencies and departments are all the time working to and it also moved these projects up to of of, of the pecking order, Uh, and, you know, the figures stand out for themselves. There was over 100 million committed in my time as minister. Uh, There has been, I think, about 10 million committed since to all of the islands together, Uh, and there are huge infrastructural deficits on the islands. Uh, But you know yourself, Keith, um, minister wants action, and first thing they tell him, now, minister, it would be a good idea to have a comprehensive plan, and that means... And during your time as minister, nothing will ever get done.
0: And you know how the system works. And, I mean, you mentioned cost-benefit analysis. And we could, we could talk about flow charts and all of that. But we're talking about human beings that are living on the island and it's island life isn't easy it's glorious on a fine day but the infrastructure not being there the fact that they have to fight to keep their flights uh with their iron, they have to fight to get water uh during the hot season they have to have water um shunted into them from tankers uh, from the mainland so why not just embrace them as if it was the mainland or is it just the west of ireland that we're just being kind of just left there and the east is getting everything
1: well, no, as you pointed out, a lot did happen on the islands. And, for example, uh, back in 1997, no non island had a contracted ferry service. Yeah. Now they all have, down to islands with 12 and 15 people on them. Yeah. And they're not costing a huge amount of money. Uh, the reality was that we just created a policy that every island where there was it was possible to do it viably, and when I mean viably, with a reasonable subsidy, got a ferry service. And we started with the more obvious ones like Baffin, Clay or Turk. And we kept working down. What well, we found in the very small islands off the coast of Cork was because they were so inshore and because they could attract tourists, the amount of subsidy was very, very modest altogether. So we, you know, we just had a policy of, this is obvious, you don't need a big book on it. Now do it and see how far the money goes in a reasonable way and get the job done. And, you know, the islands have hugely improved ferry services from that time. I'm going out to Inishbuffin today, and they have two services each way a day, every day of the year, with the exception of Christmas Day. So, you know, you, you there there were clear decisions made. There was a clear focus on the policy, but we didn't write a massive policy that would, you know, that would take three or four years to write. That would become a compendium, and this is the big danger of these, the rural... Policy is a compendium of what all the departments are doing anyway. Rural broadband is thrown in there, but the rural broadband decision had been made already. Yeah. So there's no point in drawing spending years drawing a compendium of, in inverted commas, the existing policies. You know, if you just take a simple example, uh, there's a health centre that was built in the Naseer. It wouldn't have been top of the pecking order, but we put in 50% from the islands funds. And that was the idea of the island fund that that was dedicated to islands. Couldn't yeah. be used for anything else. And we would then match with the HSE, who obviously had to put in their share. And then we did something a little bit extra because locums have to go onto the island and locum nurses, locum doctors, and so on. We put a little apartment in the health centre. It must be the only health centre in the country with an apartment in it. Uh, and that meant that the locals, when they came in, were guaranteed that they had somewhere to stay.
0: Can I go back to to your statement in relation to the Minister coming into office and asking for a comprehensive report, etc., 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 and you said, well, it won't happen on your watch, uh, so while the Minister is the Minister, it won't happen. So does that mean, then, that the officials are really running these departments?
1: No, what I'm saying is that, you know, uh, they often will tell you, "Look, it would be a good idea if we drew up a comprehensive plan here." Yeah, there's one guarantee about the comprehensive plan, but there's two guarantees: one that in your time as minister, nothing will get done, and everybody goes in with the ambition of actually achieving change on the ground for the people who need to change.
0: But the people who say sec- that, though they're the officials, though, I'm mean, sorry. As
1: sure as the day you publish it, because we live in a very dynamic and rapidly changing world, it's out of date and new issues have come forward uh, that need to be dealt with. So you need to work in a very dynamic situation. You need to have a long-term goal, but you also need to work in a very dynamic situation because things change so rapidly. So if we look at the last four years, uh, in the first two, three years, uh, uh, the whole issue of COVID became, came to the fore, and it wasn't there when Sean Kine decided that there would be an island policy, mm-hmm. uh, and that had to be dealt with, and there were very, very different effects on the islands in relation to isolation etc. than the war on the mainland uh, move forward from there and we're now in the, the Ukrainian crisis or, uh, and uh, the war crisis and there's a whole lot of new uh, things coming forward as a consequence of that so all the time things are changing and unless you run your department so that you can change as fast as the world changes you're going to get left behind
0: so, then why do we have ministers at all then?
1: You, of course, you need a minister, but who's going to make the decision? But the department makes the decision, not the minister. No, the department doesn't make the decision. The, 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 the minister is the sole corporation. A... Sorry? The minister the sole corporation at the college. In other words, the minister is the board, and the minister makes decisions. And I can assure you, Keith, just check the record uh, of, you know, and I, I don't want to sound boastful here. But a lot, an awful lot of things were brought in in my time, and an awful lot of them were literally thoughts that I had that I explained to my officials, and we moved forward together because they were the team that obviously had to implement these things. And some of them were on the islands, and some weren't on the islands. So all this idea, and some of them, a lot of the ideas I got, of course, came from the islanders themselves, uh, The the fact that a car doesn't have to be brought to the mainland for the NCT. The fact that, for example, we have a special island tax for cars that never leave the few miles of road on the islands and so on. They were issues that came from the islanders that I pursued, brought to the officials, and we went to the various ministers and we got them. So so the islanders allowance, Uh, islanders now get 20 euro extra in welfare. That got introduced to my time by the Minister of Social Protection because my department put it to them, through me, that there should be an okay. extra allowance because okay. it's more expensive to live in an island.
0: Yeah, but you were a strong minister and you, you got it. But, I mean, some of the weaker... No, sure. Some of the ministers are, are being dictated to uh, by their department officials, and we know that. And let's not sugarcoat it. You know that, and I know
1: that. But, sure, if... That's why we have elections, and it's up to the people to elect people who are going going to do what they say before the election. Now, I can never understand the syndrome. If there was a by-election in Galway tomorrow, the first thing every candidate would be asked, what is your policy? Isn't that right? Yeah. What's your policy on this and what's your policy on that? So you don't elect people then. To go in and say, well, yeah, but you know, not I had a policy a, before, yeah, but, election, they're not held but now accountable. I'm waiting for, to be told what my policy is by somebody else, third party, an expert or a, somebody else. You have to get advice. You have to get advice. You have to listen to people. There are things that cannot be done. But you must be driving all the time what you want done. And if it is feasible, you must make sure it gets done.
0: But with all due respects, um, they're not being held accountable to the policy that they outline. Um, it could be a fairy tale that they outline when they're going for election. And they're not being held accountable uh, by a lot of people, including me perhaps, um, saying you said you would do X, Y and Z. But when I got in there, I couldn't do it.
1: So, I mean, I, I, I'm still hung up. Yeah, though. and on that one, yeah, um, that went before you, but there was an interesting... I remember before the 97 election, I wrote out a 26-point bullet-point plan, yeah. bullet point plan for the islands. And Paul O'Fuil got restum. a very honourable man, said, if you do half of that, he said, I'll take my hat off to you, right? And in fairness, he came back after I had put in my first term as minister, and he said, Eamon, I have to admit, you actually did what you would say, what you said you would do in oh, terms oh, of ferry yeah. boats and all sorts of other things that we had done. Now, we hadn't everything done. There were one thing some things that proved impossible. Uh, some things that I thought should be possible, but there was one case where EU law precluded us from doing something that I thought was eminently sensible. But but that be that it may, most of it was done and there were things that weren't that okay. were done on top
0: of that. Okay, but I think what has to go is, going back to the Heather Humphreys report, telling our department officials to re-engage with government departments on commitments to the islands, I think the island population have to be front and centre of this. It needs to be done fairly quickly and the islands need to be looked after.
1: uh, Everyone needs to be looked after, but the islands are a particular case because they have unique opportunities as well as difficulties. uh, And You know, when I go out to Inchebatten today, most of the things we were talking about would be island-specific, and it's a very, very different world, Uh, and you're absolutely right, they have to be central to it. A lot of that, some of it has to be done formally, and I think that there should be at least quarterly meetings with the officials, and by-annual meetings with uh, with whoever is the minister, but aside from that, uh, what I would have done in my time now, I suppose I was in a good position, but not only here on the Galway Islands, but I got to know the managers of the various development companies from Donegal down to Cork. The islands aren't that numerous. No. And, you know, I would have picked up the phone at the drop of a hat to anything that related to those islands. And they would have picked up the phone to me as well. Okay. And we would have chatted things out. And in that informal way, a lot of policy got developed.
0: We won't solve it today. We have a call out to Kathleen Gill from the islands. So we'll come back to it on Monday morning as well. But I think that the pressure has got to be kept, indeed, on the department uh, and the minister with responsibility uh, for rural and community development to come up with this plan within, say, a thirty-day period, not a three-year period. or a a four year period within a three year period we're back and we've got a new councillor in town uh, soon to be councillor Alan Curran joins us next, stay tuned Galway Talks in association with Tesco Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. The Social Democrats have announced a replacement for Owen Hanley on Galway City Council. Councillor Hanley vacated the position at the start of this year following allegations against him on social media. Secondary school teacher and cycling activist Alan Curran has been nominated by the Social Democrats to be co opted onto Galway City Council, which took place last Monday. Mr. Curran said at the time he was feeling apprehensive but excited to start a new journey. Mr. Curran is also co founder of the Galway Cycle Bus dedicated school cycle uh, route serving not suburbs of Galway City Nilo Tuhul who is a former West, Galway West candidate uh, for the party said Mr. Kern has had an incredible impact as an activist and that the party is looking forward to seeing what he can achieve as a public representative. Between Alan joining the council and Holly Kerns starting her new leadership of the party we're excited for the future both nationally and locally and Alan joins me on the uh, programme. Alan good morning to you
2: Good morning, Keith. How are things? Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for joining us uh, today. Good luck next Monday. And Thank had you. you ever had aspirations to be a counsellor um, or this opportunity just uh, presented itself? Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, I suppose life as a habit of throwing you kind of curveballs. And definitely two months ago, I didn't think I'd be here. But I suppose with, with life, you know, opportunities come and opportunities go. And I think... I've been an activist now for a couple of years, you know, and um, I've been a school teacher for 10 years and all my experiences about teaching and as an activist in the community has kind of pushed me in a particular direction and I'm lucky that I've had such great support from my family and friends. Um, the support from others has been wonderful and I just thought this is the time to just throw, throw my hat in the ring. I've been shouting <laughs> shouting at them for, for a long time from the sidelines and I think it's time I, I saw the other side and see if we can make a progressive Galway together and see if we can make the changes that I think we all... Nowhere necessary uh, to make a better go away. Tell us a little bit about Alan Curran. Okay, where do I start? Well, as you mentioned, I'm a secondary school teacher. I work in Jane in Salt Hill. Um, I'm teaching 10 years economics and business. And I suppose I'm a husband. I'm a parent to three young children from four to nine. And I've been a volunteer and an activist in my community for many years and um, I spent eight years, I think, working with Galway Mountain Rescue. We established Galway Cycle Bus about five years ago. And I suppose it's time that I just want to look at practical measures and solutions um, within the city that I think I can, I can be part of and I think I can progress. I, I want my kids. I mean, I think a lot of us get involved in politics because of our kids, because of the next generation. And all I want to do is I want them growing up, knowing that I did everything in my power to give them a better life. Uh, just to give them better, safer streets in their communities, just allowing them in particular to travel, you know, to school to sports pitches and to walk and to cycle and to scoot to their friends' houses
0: And are you frustrated perhaps by what is happening from a cycling point of view and um, again from an infrastructural point of view in Galway City?
2: Um, I mean frustration as I suppose is a normal part of it but really from my own perspective I know I'm not going to Change the world in the 16 months that's only left in the term, but like there are big projects coming up that I, I, I can't, I'm I really looking forward to being a part of. Um, the Galway transportation strategy is up for review. Um, and there's really progressive Bus Connects projects out in the Dublin road, the Cross City Link. And there's been more uh, ambitious targets and projects for cycling and walking have been advanced over the last few years, but I'd really like to see those accelerated and equitably spread throughout the communities in the city. Um, you know, when it comes to housing, I suppose the thing that's very topical at the moment, you know, we're all conscious of the need to provide high quality housing to those who need it. And, you know, I suppose the controversy over the last few weeks, in particular with the social housing units in the Ballymoning Road and in Casagar you know, we need to, I think, change our focus. We need to we need to revise how we how, how we look at these applications. I don't think, you know, from my own perspective, we, we can build these houses in isolation without putting in the necessary infrastructure whether it's playgrounds or schools or sporting facilities or footpaths or cycle paths because these things make a community and i think you know whether it's housing or planning or or transportation or infrastructure all of these things are linked and i think we have we presumably as councillors come monday you know have a, have a job to accelerate those those projects
0: there's a duty of care by all councillors indeed uh, to their constituents yeah. and to the residents of uh, the city so will you be joining any of the pact or will you be just Stepping into where Owen stepped out of,
2: yeah. So at the moment, I suppose I'll be step. I'm hoping to step into and um, the role that 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 Owen was in that Owen vacated. He was on a couple of strategic planning committees, and I'm hoping that uh, come Monday, I'll be able to. I'll be uh, joining those committees and do, and in doing what I can do. Um, you know, I suppose from 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 the perspective of of wh- where I'm sitting in, I'm 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 coming into a Galway East seat. I'm conscious of that. I mean. I'm from not i've I've lived in th- Nott-Nacarra for 30 years, but the voters of, of Go East gave their vote and they gave their mandate to a social democratic green candidate. And though I'm not from the area, you know, I'd like to think I represent those values and the values for those who voted for that seat and, I'll be doing all I can to progress that th- those values.
0: Now your constituents in that area they're quite vocal mm. so they are not and there are yeah. quite some <laughs> quite some demands uh, on councillors in the area and your fellow councillors in the area and and it's quite mm. a vast area and quite a big population.
2: It is you know but there's a challenge to that as well and I look forward to that challenge. I mean Galway City is a small city relatively you know what happens in Go East or Go West is is affects us all. You know, we all travel, we all traverse from one side of the city to the other. In Go East in particular, there's schools, there's a lot of hospitals, a lot of creches, a lot of restaurants, and, and it's vital that we just, uh, we do everything we can to support the residents and the businesses in that area. And I'm certainly open, um, you know, to having those discussions, to meeting people on the ground, to seeing the solutions that exist and what I can do to, to progress those.
0: And again, with your... D- your teaching background and the subjects that you're looking yeah. at i mean you get the economics you 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 get the whole yeah. business you get you get what needs to be done for those in business in in the constituency as yeah. well
2: i mean you know in, in economics when we when we when we come down to it we look at at the high cost of businesses that businesses are currently undergoing at the moment we look at inflation we look at the cost of living crisis so again it's the supports the grants the assistance that we can give to these businesses um to keep to keep them employing local people, to keep local residents going, making them accessible, and um, so they they can continue to to survive in this crisis that we're facing ourselves that we face ourselves in, and um, be it in electricity, be it in the cost of living, and um, be it in, again transportation links, just to just just to create these businesses into sustainable, livable communities.
0: So next Monday, um, is it in person or online that
2: you will be joining? Uh, I'm hoping uh, to join in person I know it's scheduled for three o'clock in the Ardlon hotel so I think my name is uh, first up to be to be decided on I think the, it's the first motion on the day so uh, hopefully I'll be down there uh, with my fellow counselors and I just really hope I can I can get the support that I need um so yeah it's exciting you know it, it's a new chapter in my life Um, you know'm obviously I was I've the last couple of weeks, I've gone through many phases of emotions, but right now, I just I'm really looking forward to the challenge. And um, you know, you, you, you spoke about about Holly Caron's been a, n- a new member there, and really, what this has done is, is it is a new beginning for the party. You know, um, Holly's done incredible things uh, since she was elected in 2020. She's an incredible parliamentarian, and she's really inspired a lot of young people, um, especially women, to get more involved in politics and to make a difference. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what she does as a leader. You know, and I'm really excited to build a branch. I'm really excited about the next 18 months. Um, hoping to run another three candidates for the Social Democrats in the next local elections, and I hope to be part of that conversation.
0: We look forward to working with you, and uh, thank you, Dave, for joining us uh, today. Good luck on Monday next as you don the, uh, uh, the robes, indeed, of a very select yeah. number of councillors. Uh, Many have gone before you. Many will come after you as well. Uh, but enjoy the experience Absolutely. over the next sixteen months. Uh, soon thank to you be very much. councillor Alan Curran joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning.
2: No problem at all. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Galway Tolls in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at Tesco.ie. Very good morning She Welcome you into today's programme. The comment lines are all open if you want to get through to us uh, today. High, a height of speculation about President Joe Biden uh, coming to Ireland at the end of April. Um, and it's a given, I think, that that's going to happen, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I don't see a problem in it. Uh, the plans have been, are being worked on, let's put it that way. Uh, Will Galway, though, be on uh, his schedule? We're hoping to have news on that uh, shortly, so stay tuned for that. But, um, yeah. We'll we'll know shortly um, as to where he's going to be going. A lovely book came across the desk. Uh, Claire and Mary Walsh popped in to say hello during the week. And they brought with them uh, a book. It's on the Beehive um, label, so it is. It's called Invisible Threads by Marguerite McCurtain. Um, the cover has a beautiful um, image indeed of the mountain we spoke about yesterday with the McDonough family. Uh, on the front of it and then it goes into um, her various travels and Marguerite joins me on line one I think it is uh, today. Uh, Marguerite good morning.
3: Good morning
0: Kate how are you? Good can you hear me all right there you can.
3: Can you hear me? I'm, uh, no matter where I go in this place, you, I'll be speaking in an echo, so hopefully you can hear me.
0: The echo is fine, there's a little bit of a hum, but we will, we'll get through it. Listen, when did you decide to write this book, um, Invisible Threads? It's, it's a quite a staggering book, so it is, um, and you take us on various journeys.
3: Yes. Um, I didn't ever decide to write it, Keith, um, my, my life is, could be summed up in the one word, serendipity. Things just happen. Any plan I make never comes to fruition. So, you know, they say that um, nothing makes God laugh more than a plan. Well, that certainly applies to my life anyway. Um, it, the, the, the reason that this book is, has been published is because of one, Sheena Quinn, the commissioning editor um, of uh, Beehive, and she decided, uh, she, had, she had seen some of the pieces that I had uh, written previously uh, for print and heard some of the work that I did on radio, which I wrote as well. Um, and she decided that after COVID, people liked to read not hundreds and hundreds of pages, but shorter stories yeah. that were vivid and brought them into another world.
0: And that's what the book is here. But I mean, you're a native of Galway, so you are, and um, yeah. so just tell me a and little bit.
3: Galway, the great, the great land of travellers,
0: isn't it? Just Aren't you, you know,
3: isn't that city purely trade and travel?
0: Absolutely. But you, I mean, you are a native of uh, County Galway, so here. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, but you start out with your introduction saying, hey, "My first planned trip." To uh, to fly was a visit uh, to visit the man in the moon. I was four. My mother kitted me out it. with paper wings and provisions. She packed my bag with chocolate biscuits, fruit, and fizzy orange. I said goodbye to my parents and my brother Sean and set off down the long garden path, garden path uh, towards the forest and waited. Sadly, you finish. It didn't get lift off. My next attempt at flying was at Carmore Airport in County Galway, where you joined the flying club. So it it, it, you you always had an interest. I
3: did. I joined the flying club. My my brother Sean uh, was a, a very good pilot and a um, an instructor. Actually, Keith. He was a, he was a met officer in Shannon, and he really gave me a present of a few flying lessons. I think it was meant to be a joke, but uh, I decided, well, might as well go and have a look and see what the world, what Galway looks like from the skies, and I was fortunate enough to meet one Michael Faragher, And now Mick Farahar is one of the most accomplished instruct- instructors that you could ever meet. And I suppose you remember the Flying Club. Yeah. It was a single-decker bus which had collapsed on the side of, in front of the hangar. And mainly it was full of guys and stuff like that. But anyway, Mick took me on. And in his eternal words when I was doing my first solo, He got out of the plane, he looked at me in the pilot's seat and he said, I don't often pray, but I'm going to pray now.
0: (laughs) God bless him. And from there then, but I mean, then going back to what you said about... But
3: there then, uh, sorry, I lost, well, temporarily lost my license because I'm afraid I used some very colourful language. The, The man who was flying the Islander at that time was an RAF man. And uh, he had nothing but contempt for those of us gathered in the bus. Okay. And I'm afraid when I was coming in to land, I lost my, and well, I don't know what I did. (laughs) I certainly lost the plot. And I saw him coming out towards the runway. I was coming in, and I told him in colorful language that if he put the nose of that plane one inch further onto the runway, I was going to cut it straight off. (laughs) So he phoned my brother and told him that he had had an encounter with me at Carnmore Airport, and that he was not impressed with me, my flying skills, or my language. In fact, language like mine had not been heard over the aviation airways since Ever. the Second World War.
0: <laughs> Ever or or since either, I would think. But you, but you, <laughs> you, you, but you stood up for yourself. But now you've taken the book, and uh, I've read the book, uh, and it is easy to read. But you take. You take us on various journeys, and it's I, I don't want to ruin. Now you're, you're launching. By the way, are your brother-in-law, or Tony Flannery, is is um, launching it tonight? in Charlie Burns? Yes,
3: Tony Flannery is launching it
0: this evening. Uh, so you've got in yourself Charlie
3: Burns, famous Charlie, Charlie Burns,
0: Burns. So you have with You've got With on, Binnie,
3: um, you know, orchestrating everything, yeah. and Clem and everyone.
0: But I want to take you through just sections of it, if you don't mind. And um, no, the, no, go ahead. the first one is where we're looking at uh, between heaven and earth, and you take us on a, on a journey um, where you where you're in Los Angeles, and and you, you meet the, the nuns in question. And you, you recognise their founder? Oh
3: no, I, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in, um, in Islamabad. The 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 nuns. Is this the one where I had the accident?
0: No, this is the one where you said uh, the reverend mother rises and she greets me warmly. I recognise the portrait of your founder. So I said, and uh, my yes. late uncle uh, took a copy to his parish in Los Angeles a few years ago. Who is your uncle? Yes. She asked. Uh, Father Aidan it wasn't there. Yeah, sorry.
3: Yes. Yes, so I'm part of that family. I don't know, will they recognize me at all but, or acknowledge me, but I'm a part of the Day family in Inishboffen. They might be a bit surprised to hear that I'm claiming, But and my absolutely adored mm-hmm. auntie, uh, auntie uh, Margaret, aunt-in-law, but she's my auntie. She was my absolutely adored auntie.
0: So you would be part of the day family, She ran uh, the
3: hotel uh, on the, on the yes, island, Margaret would Day.
0: would, and you'd have, you'd, have, uh, you'd have Dr. Day down in uh, Tarlacc then they'd all be cousins of yours.
3: Oh, yes, and uh, Dr. Day's son, uh, Brian, if you can imagine this, Keith, with my flying history, his I don't think he knows this, maybe if he's listening he'll hear it for the first time, but I took Brian up in that little plane, the rally, with uh, Mick now, in fairness, in Moore, and I have nightmares about it ever since. <laughs> Were you that bad? Can you imagine? <laughs> I think. Well, I think that but I think Brendan will be incredibly surprised. His wife, Bradley, won't be a bit surprised because she saw me taking Brian.
0: My God, you take us through Christmas in Ethiopia, so you do, which is uh, a staggering story. I go down then to the the next story, which which caught my eye uh, in relation to. Um, the Trans-Siberian train and your ownership of a torch?
3: (laughs) Yes, everyone carried them. There were things called mag lights. Mm -hmm. And everybody carried... uh, Remember, a lot of the places that I went, Keith, um, it had very dodgy electricity, if any. And you certainly... And I would say no plumbing, for instance. In Mustang, you never washed, because water was regarded as... It was a waste of water, for God's sake. So everybody... You had to be as muddy and grimy as to be barely recognisable. Uh, So a a torch was a very useful thing for protection, for light, for seeing dark, you know, murals in monasteries, uh, and so on. Um,
0: But you were on the train, but you... You kind of made it known that the um, torch would be y- your defense mechanism. Should anybody look crossways at you? <laughs> well, I shared in, in, in that
3: your flo- in your, fl- in, your
0: is- fl- in your flowery language. You literally said that you take the head. You'd literally said I take the head of them if they look around at me again, and <laughs> um, that's Trans Siberian. <laughs> I have to go forward then to. And I was I was fascinated by by it all, uh, traveling the Nile in style there again. And again, when you talk about style, you're talking about style from there, but you take us on all of these little journeys, so you do. And the lovely one there, the letter, That's I fine. love this one, uh, the, I love this one where a uh, woman writing a letter with uh, her maid, the masterpiece by the Dutch painter Vermeer, Vermeer with one of my friend Laura's favourite paintings and it hangs in the National Gallery in Ireland. It's one of my favourite paintings, but you take us on all these, you take us on all these journeys, so you do, Marguerite McCurton, uh, in this book.
3: I try to take you with me, um, uh, Keith. Uh, I worked with uh, Tim Lahan in uh, Another Time, Another Space, in RTE for about 12 years or maybe more. We made um, half-hour travel programs together. And one of the things that um, uh, Tim taught me in terms of radio is less is more, so you wouldn't yeah. think that now listening to me this morning. but. Um, so he, he made me, he, whenever Tim got bored with anything I would say, say a glazed look would come over <laughs> his face and he would say to me, we've lost all our three listeners now. <laughs> so he taught me economy of words and really the kind of perhaps the style of writing that I now have. It's a kind of fusion between writing for radio, I suppose, and print.
0: Um, you no, know, it's been launched uh, by Father Tony Flannery um, this evening in Charlie Burns, uh, so he, he's, doing, he's doing the honours. Um, well, again, he's a
3: heroic person.
0: He's, a, oh, he's, he's my hero as well, so he's have to a say. A
3: heroic it. person and yeah. an amazing writer, and uh, you know, he has all of the qualities that one really admires, which are, top of which is courage.
0: See, we should really get you uh, to write the letter to the Pope to get all this thing sorted out from. But uh, I don't, I don't know what the, Pope, what the Pope like. Perhaps the flowery language that you could give. That, that a lady like you never would use in public, of course, uh, from there. Um, so Well, occasionally
3: now, Keith, I have to say I have been known.
0: I, well, I wouldn't think so, to be quite honest. So the book is going to, <laughs> you're launching it tonight, um, it's going to be available. Well, yeah. Is it going to be available in all good bookstores or online if they want to go to the the Beehive uh, website? Oh, yes. Um, it's
3: um, Beehive is an imprint of Veritas, so it's certainly a available to Veritas, and it should be available in Dubray, Eason's, and of course the great Charlie Burns always had it from the very first day.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to do?
3: This, um, they, this is a selection. I, I never wrote, you know, I, I, knew, I knew nothing about writing, and that is, um, I always kept a journal when I was um, travelling, <coughs> mm-hmm. and, um, I only started. It was a key. It was another man, Howard Kinley, who actually wrote my very. He asked me to write five pieces for the Irish Times because I made quite an extraordinary journey to begin with, which really set me on my trail. In that, I travelled overland from Kathmandu to Lhasa, which was one of the first times that. Western people had been allowed to travel over land. Now, there were no roads, but that's neither here nor there. And that was an amazing journey. And when I came back, Keith, um, Howard asked me to write a, a five pieces for the Irish Times on my travel, and and invited me to come on the Late Late Show and so on. But Howard wrote the first line of the first article I wrote, which was, I was standing on the roof of the world uh, looking at the north face of Mount Everest and he said, give me 2,000 words by Friday. Uh, You write a very good first paragraph, a very good last paragraph and in between try and not bore everyone to death.
0: Mm -hmm. Wise advice from there. Uh, Are you still bitten by the travel bug? Do you still do quite a bit of travelling? Yes. Mm -hmm. Not
3: since Covid now. Yeah, well, I, I always have plans, but, you know, I am um, uh, I have, um, since COVID, I haven't done very much. But I will. I'm, I'll get back on the
0: road. Now you cover mm-hmm. Sailing Teenage mm-hmm. Boffin, and uh, you cover, I, I love the New York piece as well, by the way, um, uh, that you written about <laughs> New York as well. I, I love that. But it, it's it's just, it kind of gives you an insight into someone, you've had a wonderful life, so you have. You're dedicated uh, to your husband, Frank, as well, which is lovely. Uh, at the beginning of it. But yes,
3: well, Frankie Frank is the, another heroic person.
0: Uh, he, be, <laughs> he, he really is. He he being Father Tony's brother, so he is, but, uh, yeah. and, and you being his wife. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean, the, the travel bug is in you, so you can get up and get out and get Oh, well, out
3: I think it's just, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm just a boring kind of nomad, really, Keith.
0: What's the definition of a boring nomad, Marguerite, pray tell? <laughs>
3: I don't know, I'm just... You know, it's in my DNA, really. It's just a nomad who just wanders around. You, it, once you get that... The first time I made a very long journey, I thought that would be my last journey. But there is something that grips you that keeps drawing you back. It's like my... What I say about Inish Buffin. Patty Halloran told me that the reason... Or Patty O'Halloran told me that the reason I kept going back to Inish Buffin was because I had salt water in my veins. Mm-hmm. So, um... I think that i I come from a kind of wandering tribe, and I have to keep going
0: well, that's a good thing, that's not a bad thing, so it isn't, so you won't be standing still so tonight, what time should they get to charlie burns um, tonight
3: i hope you I hope we'll see you um six o'clock. Finney tells me Vinnie o- is the one who tel- who has organized everything so um, Vinnie and Clem and all the people in Charlie Boyle's, but I'm sure you know extremely well.
0: Absolutely. One final question: the, Your writings are uh, magnificent, but your handwriting is absolutely magnificent. It's it's really is beautiful. Where did you learn how to write like that?
3: It's really just the pen. I think I learn. I I, it, I I use these um calligraphic pens, um and um and I. I've always written. Uh, I've always, for some reason, um, I had an aunt who was a nun. Another my aunt, my mother's um, sister, and my uncle in California. They were very, they had beautiful handwriting, and my mother had beautiful handwriting. So I was always told to try and have something that was legible. But when I got these little italic p- pens, um, that's uh, I, I used those and. Um, uh, there is a... Uh, how okay. much time have we got?
0: We're finishing we shortly, finished? so we're, we're, go, we're heading for news. Okay. So we
3: well, Listen. sister, I, was, I went to Rafford School, and Sister Imelda was our, our headmistress, and we had a wonderful headmistress before that. Now, I have nothing okay. but admiration for Sister Imelda, but I'm afraid... If this, we, the school, sent a letter to the Mother General saying we didn't want Sister Melda in the school, and Sister Imelda
0: recognise my handwriting. I wonder why. Okay, I Listen, I have to leave it at that, but Marguerite mm-hmm. uh, McCurton, thanks for joining us. It's called Invisible Threads. I could talk to you forever. Uh, tonight, Charlie Burns gets over 6 o'clock and her handwriting is superb. I'll be a little late, but uh, let's head towards the 10 o'clock news. We're back just after these. That book, by the way, is called Invisible Threads. I'll tell you more about that just after the news. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.